0: This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, Session 128, and the quote of the day is from William Hazlitt who said, the more we do, the more we can do. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals, information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Rafini here with another session of the Drummers Resource podcast. I hope you're having a good Monday or whatever day you're listening to this. I hope you're having an awesome day, and I hope you had a great weekend. And summer, I guess, is is officially uh, rolling out. So it's time to time to start buckling down and get into the fall and really start start getting some work done. And uh, you know, I'm all about that here at the Drummers Resource. So. Whatever you're working on, I hope, you, uh, I hope you put some some effort in, sort of head down it for a little while and, and just stay focused and, and get the job done. This podcast is 100% free thanks to the great support that we get from some great companies out there. And this episode is brought to you by Promark Select Balance. And Promark is a new way of building, typing, and choosing drumsticks. You can choose the length the balance point, the taper, the tip, and material that creates the perfect stick for you using their select balance system, only from Promark. Be sure to check them out at promark.com. And the session is also brought to you by DW Drums. And as you guys know, I've been playing DW for years because they make great drums, but they also foster and support drumming initiatives all over the world. Like this podcast, this podcast is free because of them. And I appreciate their support and you should too. Be sure to check them out at DWDrums.com. All right, let's get down to brass tacks. If you want to get the gig, you need to learn how to groove. And Damani Rhodes Playalongs help you do just that. They help you improve your groove, time, feel, and overall musicality. To get your very own free drumless playalong track, head over to drummersresource.com forward slash playalong. Now, the interview that I have today, I'm really excited about. I have Gil Sharon. And for you guys out there who have been begging me to get Gil on the podcast for a while, trust me, I've been trying to get him on for a while. I've been wanting them to get on. Get uh, Excuse me. I've been wanting to get him on for a while and his schedule's been crazy. He's been touring all over the place. He's extremely he's in extreme demand right now, and he was gracious to spend some time with me last week chatting. So it's a great interview, and I'm just super excited to have him, and I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get right into it with Gil Sharon. Gil, what's happening, man? Thank you so much for doing this.
1: Great to be here with you finally.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny. Every time we, I start a podcast, it feels like I bit like it's been a long time coming because it always takes a while to line everything up and right. cuz people are on the road and I'm on the road and this is happening and that's happening so but uh but like I said off air I mean I appreciate you doing this I know that you're extremely busy so really great to have you.
1: Thank you man. Yeah, it's cool. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely, man. And you have a bunch of exciting stuff going on and we're going to talk about all that and but the the listeners know. I always like to get a little bit of backstory on my guests because there's people out there who know everything about you, and there's people out there who know nothing about you. So, and for those who know nothing about you, shame on them. But that's a whole <laughs> different topic. But uh, but just tell the audience a little bit about about who you are or what you do.
1: All right, and that's my dog Chopper. He's uh <laughs> he's a part of this interview.
0: Nice. Um, he's up neck. I got a couple questions for him as well. Yeah. So
1: yeah he he knows he knows how to bark and fight for. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I for people that like don't know anything about me, I am a professional session and touring drummer out of Los Angeles, California. I'm born and raised here. and I my my vibe is just versatility and pocket and of course, technique as well. So, I just always wanted to be an all-around cat when I was coming up, so a lot of the gigs people know me for range, you know. They're not related at all, like Dillinger Escape Plan, to filling in with, uh, for Travis Barker when he broke his arm with Plus 44, to playing with Maynard from Tool and Pussifer, to releasing probably the only Jamaican um, music drum tutorial video called DVD called Wicked Beats. Uh, It's been a best-selling DVD and I have my own band, Stolen Babies. Um, I'm also playing with Marilyn Manson. I also have another band called Team Sleep, which is uh, fronted by Chino Moreno from the Deftones. And I've just played with a ton of people over the years, ranging from, you know, straight ahead jazz. I grew up coming up playing bebop and metal to anything from brushes to double bass you know so as as we talk more I think people you know I can I can elaborate more on my career but that's pretty much a nutshell just what what I'm about
0: I mean just by that it sounds like you have so you haven't really been doing anything for the last
1: (laughs) yeah exactly you know that's an insane
0: resume and and
1: also I have a full-time day job at the post (laughs) office yeah.
0: Now it's impressive. All right. Now exactly. that you, you do all that with it, no, that I mean the, the resume is, is beyond impressive. And one thing that I love that you started this whole thing was the two the two points that you made. One were versatility, yeah. and two about the pocket. And I pu- I actually put something on Instagram the other day that it was it said all it said was musicality is greater than chops. And I said you know it doesn't matter how fast you can play double paradiddles around the kid. if you can't play musically, then it doesn't matter.
1: It's it's so true, and it's as cliche as that sounds. You know, it's like you hear every drummer say, "Oh, it's not about chops; it's all about music." But there's a reason why every working drummer says that. Like, I can talk to you guys about all the drum nerd stuff, and I love it. it I I'm not bored by that. I can talk. We can talk about, you know, analyzing Zappa charts, analyzing Dillinger songs, like. That's great. But at the end of the day, I work consistently, which is a blessing, which I know a lot of your listeners want to know what's the secret, like, what's the fucking million dollar answer to how do you stay a working, busy drummer? And it's like, know how to. Play a song, know how to make the other musicians that you are accompanying or that you are backing up or that you are even fronting, make them play the best they've ever played because you give them that platform. And that's the kind of drummer I am. It's like when I when I started up just before my 13th birthday, uh, me and my brother, I have a twin brother, Ronnie he's also in stolen babies and a total prodigy and he's got all the talent he's like the composer and can score orchestral pieces and read stravinsky charts and i'm just the drummer but <laughs> it's like we came up at the same exact time and we just started playing i i don't remember not being able to play because i didn't i never thought about it it just oh there's a drum set let me see If I can do anything on it. And I just started playing. And I remember the feeling I had. I remember where I was. I remember coming home and begging my parents. I want a drum set. This is what I want to do. I can play. Watch. Get me a drum set. I'll show you. So that's that's just... It was very natural. I... I didn't like sit down with a pen and pad and have a checklist of today. We're going to learn bluegrass tomorrow. We're going to learn reggae. The next day we're going to learn hard bop. The next day we're going to learn smooth jazz. The next day we're going to learn metal. It's like, I loved music, love music so much that before I even started playing the drums, it was already in me. Like, you know, dabbled in like junior high. I played the trumpet it it was cool and that taught me to learn um you know basic music theory and how to read and, and how to count rhythms and that helped obviously but i wasn't like i wasn't in love it wasn't what i wanted to do it was just an elective to take in school um but music was every style was in me or i'd hear an older friend that you know thought was cool like my friend's older brothers would hip us to something or my older brother would hip us to something. And I would just be like all about it. And so by the time I started the drums, I had all these different styles in me. Basically i mm-hmm. I'd, I'd absorbed all these feels. I remember the first reggae album that blew me away. I remember the first jazz record that blew me away. I remember the first metal record. It's like, so anyway, that's, that's how it all naturally everything was very natural on my path nothing nothing was forced
0: well i think a lot of people force certain things and and i think that's why you know they get frustrated when a lot of people and especially you know tr- trying to play towards your weaknesses and and or trying to do things that you're not good at and that you're never going to be good at you know and people get so frustrated with it like i'm never going to be a top call bop session guy it's just not it's just not in me because i just don't think that it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't uh excite me the way that it should okay right?
1: fair enough that's fine and it doesn't have to
0: right and so i you know i can i play it yes but am i going to be totally immersed in it no and i think sometimes for you everything you know was natural and you i'm sure that you gravitated towards certain things because they felt natural to you and yeah. And I think that people get so frustrated because they're like, oh, I'm not the greatest everything drummer. And you know, like sometimes, sometimes that's okay. Sometimes it's just got to be whatever, whatever naturally comes to you rather than, than forcing certain things.
1: That's such a good point too, because, and also for the listeners listening, thank you by the way, for listening, but the information I'm trying to give you guys, this is valuable shit. It's like, you you don't you don't have to try to to copy someone's career like you can respect somebody and look up to them and use them as an influence and even copy their drumming. But no matter what, at the end of the day, it's you, your your life story is going to be different, your path, your whether you have supportive parents, whether you have, um, you know, financial struggles, whether this, whether that everyone has a different life and the cards you're dealt so you're never going to be able to copy someone's career path like step by step you can just see the people you respect and admire and just because you hear me say oh i versatility always been something i i like uh pride myself on or, or that i people know me as that doesn't mean that you need to go out and learn every single style of music today if If you just want to be the best jazz drummer you can be, that's awesome. If you just want to be the best metal drummer you could be, that's awesome. If you want to be, you know, just a guy that plays in a top 40 cover band, that's great. Well, those guys need versatility because they're playing so many different songs but Mm -hmm. and different styles. But my point is just don't have a closed mind. Like you don't have to play everything when I teach with people or when I do clinics, which is another thing in my career, I'm very blessed to, you know, kind of have my foot in the door In it's, it's not only that I'm known as a session and touring guy, but I am an educator as well. I love doing clinics. I love doing privates when I can. Um, I feel like teaching is a skill that I naturally have. Mm -hmm. And it's it's hard to keep people engaged and get them excited. You know, there's guys that are some of the best players in the world and you go and hear them speak and half the crowd is sleeping, you know, it's like just 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 play, stop talking. And then there's the opposite dudes that are great and they can engage an audience, but their playing isn't that strong or they Mm -hmm. don't know what they're doing. So that's always been a factor of my career that I wanted to establish, which is the educational side. So it's. I tell people, look, don't knock something else because you either fear it or you don't know it or because it brings out your own insecurities. You know, so many people are quick to judge or they're good on their keyboards on YouTube. It's like none of that is real world. What you want to do is pay attention, keep your eye on the prize, your career, what you're passionate about, what you love. And if you're a closed minded cat, you're never really going to reach your true potential and grow.
0: Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And one of the, one of the things I have, a I always have a reoccurring theme here that I talk about drummers who teach. And I think that if you're not passionate about teaching, you shouldn't teach. I agree with anything.
1: I'm really into martial arts. You know, I, I train, I've been training for years. I love it. It's like my other passion besides drumming. It's, it's like what balances out my life. And, um, there's the same thing, like with teachers, it's, it goes with anything, not just drumming. I've seen just, it's, it's real life. You mm-hmm. get somebody that's passionate and excited and, and has the ability to be able to teach something. You know how many hack martial arts schools there are? It's like, yeah, just like they're hack people that shouldn't be teaching an instrument.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How long have you been into martial arts?
1: Like 20 years.
0: I was going to ask if there was ever been like a, if there was ever a, an inner struggle of which direction you wanted to dedicate your your time to
1: um no because it's weird they complement each other and i notice like when you find a balance and a harmony with something in your life and as you even grow as a person like priorities change when you're older you know i'm in my Mm -hmm. 30s now it's like when i was a teenager my focus was different when i was in my 20s my focus was different now i'm a dad also you know so it's like that's changed my world so but they they both kind of work hand in hand. I notice my drumming complements my training and my training complements my drumming. It's the same thing, especially when you're able to be a student, not just a teacher, but to always know that we are students forever. We're mm-hmm. never going to not want to keep evolving and learning. We're never going to say we're the shit and we're going to stop. It's like, we're just gonna keep growing. And that's what I love. That's what intrigued me about like seeing the hundred year old Kung Fu masters or the ninety-year-old Jiu-Jitsu master or this and that. It's like same thing I see when I, you know, watch Bernard Purdy play the drums or Max Roach towards the end or Elvin towards the end of his career of his life. It's like it's that high level where you never stop growing and evolving.
0: Mm-hmm. It actually every morning I get together with another guy, we have this thing, the drum breakfast club and we get together and run through like an hour of the Wilcox book or something, nice. you know, so we'll like, we'll nail it at the end and we always joke and it's like, all right, cool. Now we don't have, we're done. We don't have to right. practice anymore. You know, it's like, yeah. of course, like this is going to happen for the next, you know, hundred years if it can. Exactly. And just the, the concept of, of continuously growing both personally and, exactly and, you know, in your, in your drumming and, and, in your music. Um, Yeah. One thing I wanted to touch on that you had mentioned, we talked a little bit about pocket and I want to ask your opinion about it because playing, playing pocket and playing musically or playing in the pocket and playing musically is such an intangible thing. And every single person has a different approach to it. My way of, of sort of getting to that zone is different than yours is different than Steve Gads is different than everybody else's. So what is your approach on, on developing groove and playing musically because as we mentioned at the end of the day that's what's going to get you the gigs and if you want to play with people you need to learn how to do that so what's your what's your approach and advice on it
1: my approach is making the music feel how it should feel how you know make the crowd move the crowd doesn't lie i was lucky with some of the experiences i had coming up like right out of high school I got to play with dave wakeling from the english beat and general public which are two very legendary bands the english beat was one of the bands that invented the two-tone ska movement which was Hmm. you know hits for days with the english beat then they turned into more of an 80s pop band general public which again it was a hit factory so playing with dave you know 40 songs set and every single almost every song out of a 40 song set was a hit and it's like (laughs) so dave was always about you know and the drummer that called me to fill in for him and i ended up kind of just doing the gig on and off for three years in and out with fish it was fish fisher one of my biggest influences the original drummer of fishbone Mm -hmm. who's i love to death and um talk about all the time but anyway, so. To to come in that young, like 19, and play with dudes twice my age, and a guy that's pretty much a like a, a star, you know. And he he didn't care that I had chops. He didn't care that I could do all this fancy fusion stuff, or that I could copy Weckle or Vinny, or like he didn't give a shit. What he cared about was how hard is the crowd dancing. How deep is the groove that we can go from like an 80s British pop tune to a deep Jamaican reggae um slow tempo and then drop into like a latin thing or just a straight rock thing or a four on the floor rock thing. It's like we we had so many different variations in that set and it was a dance band. So pocket is that. It's making people feel the music. It's you feeling the music and translating how you feel inside and having that be an extension on the drums so that's what's key i never had to overthink it it's not rocket science it's i've never had to force myself to be put in a different headspace to say okay now i'm gonna try like really hard to make this swing hell no like it was natural and i came up with so many players that were older and just had the funk in them or, or jazz or something. It, it was just, it's just natural, man. And that's how pocket should be. It's if somebody's fighting it or really overthinking something, then right away they're in their own way. It's right. like put, put on funkadelic, put on, <laughs> you know, put on James Brown, put on some hip hop, put on, like, you'll just hear all these different, grooves and elements and and you can analyze in your head all day like what are are these similar pockets are they different what's making this sound like this what is what's making this sound like this so every style of music has its own kind of heartbeat whether it's a clave whether it's a one drop in reggae whether it's like a two-step with drum and bass whether it's um swing you know it's it's just you just have to be able to internalize what that should feel like and in your best it's like somebody saying oh that's blue and someone will argue no that's purple well people can argue all day but in reality what what is it somebody can say oh i have groove i have groove and then you can hear him play and be like dude no you don't that doesn't groove at all (laughs) so some people aren't even aware they can't swing or they can't they can't feel a pocket so it's just like record yourself and hear it back and also see how people respond to your drumming and that's the the professional like kind of side man answer is see what your band leader what your boss is telling you you know Mm -hmm. i i know for a fact that every single gig i've ever been hired for the band leaders that pay me at the end of the day tell me the crowd has danced harder with you drumming than anybody you know what I mean it's like that's what I live for at the end of it I'm like oh wow that's like such a cool compliment so it's that's my my approach is just does it have the right attitude does it does it have the right feel does it have the right touch does it have the right you know approach are you going to play something that is is needed a lighter feel or or, do you know to approach it with a lighter feel or do you just like have one gear that's just loud and hard you know or some dudes the opposite end like some guys just have a very light touch and a light feel so when they need to play more aggressive music it doesn't translate well so you can cheat all you want in the studio guys that hit like they're playing with feathers can sound like monsters on a record. And then mm-hmm. you go see them live and it's disappointing. Cause you're like, where's the energy? Where's the fire? Where's, you know? So it's to me, it's just always been like built in, I guess.
0: Sure. Well, that makes total sense. And you know, I, I so many people overthink it and it's, it's a matter of, like you said, sort of getting out of your own way and just letting the music dictate what you're playing. And mm-hmm. if you got to think about it, then, don't play it, you know, just, just let it, just let it happen naturally.
1: Exactly. And that's people ask me like, dude, how'd you develop a reggae feel? How'd you do that? How'd you do that? It's like, I never developed it. I just played it. And it's like the more you play anything and the deeper you get into it and live it and be around the culture and around the like legends and soak it up. It's just, it's only going to, get in you it's it's going to absorb in your being in in your essence like and you're just going to have it it's just natural so that's the goal I feel like every musician should try to to strive for whether it's it's a natural thing or they kind of have to baby it and make it happen over a, a period of time it's just you want the it's like Bruce Lee always said about martial arts it's like you start with no form because you don't know anything then you develop form and then when you develop form, you go back to having no form. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's no form, form to no form. And once and what that means is once you develop all this stuff and you're conscious of it and you're thinking about it, now let it all go. Don't think about it anymore. Formlessness. Just let it come out and let it be its true state of just like this organic, natural, living thing. People right. ask, oh, don't you get bored playing like the same beat In reggae for like five minutes, doesn't that bore you? No, that doesn't bore me. First of all, I don't have to play the same thing for five minutes. I can spice things up. I can put different things in. It depends on the circumstance and the band and what the vibe is. But even if I was just sitting in a one drop, it's not. It's like Santa Davis, who's in Wicked Beats, who's a reggae Jamaican legend, Mm -hmm. um, who's one that's still with us because most aren't with us anymore, and Santa even said in, in my interview with him, it's living, it's a journey, it's living, it's breathing. It's, it's not this stuck thing. It's even if it is a repetitive pocket, it's still alive. And mm-hmm. that was so heavy. When he said that, I was like, dude, that's exactly like, I've never been able to put that into words as simple as that just sounded. And now I say it all the time because of him. It's like, it's living. It's breathing. It moves. And your pocket should never sound stiff or like you're not breathing or you're holding your breath. They might as well just use a drum machine, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
1: so yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's kind of like I said. It's it's built in and it's just my natural approach. I, I don't even have to think about it.
0: Mm-hmm. I, that reminds me of a the uh, the Jeff Porcaro instructional video when he's playing just a groove and he's talking about how it's sort of the, the, the feel snakes through what he's playing. Yep. So he's playing the same groove, but you know, the, the accents are sort of increasing and decreasing. And there's sort of like this, the, I mean, it's Jeff Picard. So he describes it the best way that, that, that anybody can. It's just, you know, this (laughs) feel is just snaking through here. And then you listen to it and it's like, holy shit, that's exactly what's Mm -hmm. happened. And, And you can't, you can't put your finger on it. You can't yep. identify what it is. But then you go to play, and it's like, man, my, that doesn't sound like yep. Jeff does.
1: It's it's this essence. It's this like extra layer of like something oozing out of you. You know, like mm-hmm. seeping seeping out. There's this thing that's there, and that when I drop into a one dropper, if I'm just swinging just two and four, like not even doing any bombs with the bass drum or syncopated snare hits or any weird interaction or a difficult sounding interaction between the kick and the snare, just like playing a bebop tempo, a moderate, or very slow jazz tempo. I can sit there all day. I love it. It's same thing with any pocket. It could be like a funk groove. It could be a really slow brush ballad. Like the space is so crucial to um understand and respect whether and shuffles of course i'm like all about shuffles and i probably get the most work because people know me for the shuffles and all the variations and how i make those feel plus you know executing things in one take doesn't hurt either so (laughs) just just being prepared and just having all of your tools just like ready for that call is is a whole nother ball game which like could totally switch this conversation to the next fit like point which is just everybody waiting for their dream call and then when they get it the question is are you going to be ready for it Mm -hmm.
0: well let's let's go there let's talk about that a little bit because i think that's as important if not more important than anything else is you know like you said if what, what's the, the quote? Uh, it's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than have an opportunity and not be prepared for it. So. Yep,
1: yep, that's true. And, you know, you just, depending on the style, I talk about this a lot. It's like some, and again, people have different paths. Not everybody wants to be a session drummer. Not everybody wants to play other people's music or, or have the stress of jumping in with this producer who's going to just wait for you to do something that he can jump down your throat whiplash style about. It's like, or some people like live for that, you know, or, mm-hmm. or want, love that pressure. I love like those high pressure environments. Cause I, it doesn't like affect me. It could be, it, it's just like a fish in water. I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, mm-hmm. going from Dillinger to Manson and all this, it's like, you can't get any more stressful than that. So, and then a lot of the session work I've done has been pretty taxing as well, or, or could, could rattle some bones. So it's a good test of just like seeing what you're made of. But once you figure out the kind of career you want to have or, you know, how you want to structure, this is my focus. I want to be a rock star. I want to be in a band and I want to just make it big and do all that. Fine. If that's your path, then do everything you need to do to do that. Mm -hmm. If you want to be a session guy, if you want to be a clinician, if you want to be a teacher, just see what... Take a piece of paper and start at the top like an umbrella, like start with your main goal, then start to list all of the things that you think need to come with that. And then once you have those little sub categories down dissect each category what do i need to do to develop this what do i need to do to develop this 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 and this and then on top of that are you a cool person do you have an ego do you think you're the shit are you cool to work with other people um do you have an attitude problem do you not listen when do you take direction well it's like so there's all these factors that a lot of people don't even think about till they're in the moment and that's again when people say like There's only so much you can learn in a classroom. You just have to get out and, you know, get your feet wet or your Mm -hmm. hands dirty and and really just see what it's like in the real world, which is true. You can't, no matter, like you can be with the best teachers on the planet at the best schools in the world. As soon as you leave that classroom, you are now in the real world. It's like.
0: Now you got to execute.
1: Exactly. It's different. The pressure's different. And. So you could never recreate that in a classroom. You could come close. It's just like fighting. You can train to fight in a martial arts academy and then shit hits the fan and you're on – something's happening and what can you do with that? So it's, it's just training yourself to hone your craft as well as possible so that when you do get a call, it's like, hey, man. Could you fill in for me? Uh, We got to do about 35 songs. Um, I need you to do that in like two days and I'll send you the music. I'll send you a Dropbox folder and you say yes. It's like, even if you can't say yes, (laughs) because you want to get your foot in the door. And of course you have to believe in yourself enough that within that couple days, you are going to be able to train yourself to do what the gig requires Of course, if you feel like it's just way too far from your reach, then pass on it. Mm -hmm. You know, because you definitely don't want to take something and just totally drop the ball.
0: Right. Um, Yeah, I think you get more respect turning down the gig than exactly taking it and falling on your face.
1: Exactly. You know, I've gotten I've gotten uh, gigs because another drummer that maybe someone called first wasn't really qualified. Maybe it was a double bass thing. Or maybe it was a reggae thing. or And then they'd call me and say, hey, man, uh, I don't know you, but you were recommended because this guy called, you know, said that really wasn't his strong point. And, and they told me to call you. And I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, I'll do it. And nice. now I'm like, now I'm one of the main dudes in that producer's Rolodex. So mm-hmm. that's how that all happens. No matter how small a gig is, it's experience. No matter how small the pay is, it's experience. All these people feel, these younger generation kids that I've seen, it's like, they feel so entitled, not only because the generation, they don't even have to pay for music these days. It's like, but they just already, Oh, I'm dope on YouTube. I can do all this gospel stuff. Oh, I should be playing with, you know, whoever, whoever I should be, have the Beyonce gig. I should play with Chris Brown. I should do that. It's like it, I need free gear. I need that. It's like, it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. So people, again, it's like, You also just have to make sure your heart and head is in the right place. When I started, I, I never was like, Oh, I want to do this to reap all these benefits. All I did. It's like me and my brother, it's all we knew. Even kids like in the eighth grade saw transition. They were like, man, Gil and Ronnie used to be like so social and they'd come out and play or do this or do that. And all they do is just sit in their room and play music. Now it's like, that's because we discovered like true love as, mm-hmm. as cheesy as that sounds. It's I wasn't the jock, you know, my best friends coming up were the jocks. They were the kids with the golden arms and this and that. I knew sports wasn't my thing. Mm-hmm. And and then when I found when I knew I had this like natural gift with music it it's all i wanted to do it it wasn't even about a career thing i i remember when i was little i'd be like oh i want to be a lawyer or i want to do this or do that but i still also want to be a professional drummer like i never used any other like ulterior motives to to drive my passion for music it was only like from the most like natural innocent state of loving what it made me feel like and doing it hmm so that that helps, you know, having yeah. your heart in, having your heart in a place and, and in the right place and your focus. Definitely. Uh, again, some people also just get lucky. You know, there's how many dudes do you think are out there that are bitter that are like, oh, I'm so much better than that drummer and he's getting all the gigs. It's like, you know what? By you bitching about it isn't going to change anything.
0: Right. That's why you don't have a gig. Probably.
1: Exactly. Because and you're that type that, of person. Yeah. Like I can't stand like people with like bitterness or jealousy or that, that word even isn't like, I try not even to have that in my vocabulary, like, or, or, or people that see a really good drummer and then they're like, Oh, that's it. I quit. It's like, no, when you, when you see somebody that inspires you, don't, don't feel the opposite. Don't feel like you need to throw in the towel. If anything, you should want to just work even harder and, and be inspired by that person. So, you you know, not everybody needs to be Virgil Donati, you know, there's not everybody needs, I'll tell you right now, I don't practice 10 hours a day in a, Mm -hmm. in a room by myself. And, uh, you know, it's like, I don't do that. I wish I had the time to do that. I, I, you guys don't even want to know how little I practice. It's like, I play a lot, but I don't think I've practiced in years Right, and I'm still developing and evolving and I get better every day. It's like, that's because it's, I'm internalizing it and my experience playing and, or even if I have five minutes on a practice pad or anything, I feel like I'm growing every day. I'm never going backwards or, or then out of nowhere, I might get a hard piece of music put in front of me and it's challenging and that pushes me and I love that but but then I don't even have time to practice it so I just listen to it and I'm like I visualize myself playing it and then as soon as I sit on the drums it's like it's there it just I know my strengths and weaknesses and you should too like people should be able to analyze themselves and know their comfort zone and stepping out of it which is another thing that I say all the time step out of your comfort zone
0: that's mm-hmm.
1: how you get strong so it's it's really just, I, I can go on and on about all this. I love it.
0: <laughs> I I love it too, because it's the, it's all of the things that, I mean, it has to do with your playing, but it doesn't. It has to do with the holistic approach of, of the defining factors of why people get gigs and why people don't get gigs. It's yeah. the talent. Obviously you have to be talented. So it's sort of like, we don't even need to talk about that because everyone knows you have to have the talent, but mm-hmm. there's these other factors that are almost bigger than the talent is you know, like you said, are you cool? Do people want to hang out with you? Are you mm-hmm. a genuine person? Are you, you know, can they live with you on a bus for six months? Mm-hmm. Would they invite you over to their house for, for, you know, lunch? Yeah. You know, it's right. like, exactly. You got to think it, about that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. And when you're in close quarters with people and touring, it's like touring with Manson is great. It's you know, it's top notch level stuff, you know, all the stuff you fantasize about nice tour buses, nice hotels, nice good food. It's mm-hmm. like, but do you know how many van tours I've done? It's like, right. You don't just start there. Some people might get lucky. They they just might fall in or they have connections or their parents are in it or this fine. Good for them. That's great. But just because you have to start at the bottom don't be discouraged by that. To me, that's the fun part. When I look back at, like, the past 15 years of my career, it's it's very cool. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. There's, of course, I could sit there and dwell and overanalyze things, or I, I would have played that different, or I wish I did that, or I totally forgot to do that, or, you know, I should have taken that gig. I, I don't dwell on the past. You, it, it all brought us to where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. So you you have to just like reflect on these experiences that were the worst or the best and grow from them cuz every experience is valuable and not everybody gets to jump in a tour bus right away especially now with the industry and the with bands like you know what is a record deal it's pretty much it's it's like worthless pretty much to say you're signed what does that even mean you're signed cool who sells records anymore it's like so unless you're taylor swift it's like to to get and work and know you have to tour a lot and if that's the path you want to take which is being in a band or being hired as a hired gun to be in a band just know it's not always going to be luxurious but again stay focused and know where you want to get it'll happen
0: mhm i agree so i want to cool. switch i want to switch gears a little bit because i want to there's with the dvd with wicked beats and how it's focused on on ska and reggae drumming and most of the stuff that you're known for is more harder metal and and or just harder <laughs> rock and things like that yeah it's like where so let's talk about that a little bit where did the the idea and the inspiration for wicked beats come from um
1: i came up like i said playing and listening to everything Mm -hmm. and but in my high school years besides it's funny because i can like i had cassettes i was always wearing a headphone i mean a a walkman i had a walkman and i was always wearing headphones it's fun even when i look at my yearbook from high school every picture that shows me i'm wearing headphones so (laughs) i was either listening to hip-hop to drum and bass to electronic stuff like Aphex Twin and Square Pusher Jazz Coltrane Wayne Shorter Miles just everybody Joe Henderson you, you name it Mingus but at the same time while I was in love with all those different styles of music that are completely unrelated the Jamaican influence was killing me that was my shit like <laughs> but just as much as everything else you right. know what I mean like right. I'm not taking away so but what happened was my twin brother, you know, he also got hit to like kind of the third wave ska bands. Like third wave is that later wave of what people think is like the Orange County ska, like bands like No Doubt, which early on before they became big, big, huge rock stars. And and I'll get to Wicked Beats because Adrian from No Doubt is in Wicked Beats. But oh, nice. um, so anyway... Once I heard these cool bands like the Skeletones and Let's Go Bowling and Hepcat and bands that were newer bands playing like either traditional ska or third wave ska punk, which is that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, where, where did this music come from? Like, what is this? And then I just did my homework. Like, I heard the Scottalites, which yeah. was the pr- premier session backing band in the 60s in Jamaica for everybody who's anybody and Lloyd Nibb was their drummer and when I did Wicked Beats I got Lloyd in interviewed and like four or five months later Lloyd died so it was I'll get to that in a minute but that music and doing my homework and learning about all the different eras it was no different difference than me studying jazz because I was always you know reading and listening and just immersing myself in in jazz in high school like i thought my path talk about like not knowing how things will turn it's like i expected going to new york and being like a full on fucking jazz musician like yeah just pursuing it and making contacts with people and just jazz and obviously my career i got calls for things and other things and and it just led it took my path changed so that doesn't take away my love for jazz or anything at all because I'll I'll get to that but
0: right you um, do know how cold it gets here in new york right <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah oh I've, trust me i've been there like five times this past year so um yeah it's the jamaican music the way i i like got so excited about what it felt like and learning ska then just tracing the history of like oh, this started with ska in the 60s. Then in the mid-60s, it turned into Rocksteady. And then after Rocksteady in the late 60s into the early 70s, it turned into reggae. Then the early 70s roots reggae turned into like more electronic 80s reggae and the rubber dub shit and dance hall. And so I, I became like a full-on student but I felt it right away. I felt it. And the first reggae record that hit me like a ton of bricks was Eka Mouse. Wadu Dem, And I got to play with Ika Mouse and we pretty much played every song off Wadu Dem. And I wasn't going to bastardize it and play it like some rock reggae. I was like, right. hell no. This record is not only one of my biggest influences and I know it note for note, but Style Scott, the drummer, who we also lost recently, um, he was one of the fucking biggest masters of just drumming, not just reggae drumming. But Mm -hmm. if you break his style and analyze his style and what he did with his drum tone, which is with his sound um, and the discipline and the tightness, all these people always say to me like, damn, you're tight. Like you're, I just posted this little clip on Instagram the other day and people are asking me like the tightness. And to me, it's like, That's that reggae influence. I could even be playing metal, but the tightness is from reggae, you know? Right, right. So it's like that anybody that knew me, especially in high school and coming up with me and all the shows I'd play, and even when Travis was in the Aquabats, I was in a band called Pocket Lent and we were playing on that same scene. And I was always, we were more like the acid jazz fusion ska reggae band on that scene where everybody else was more like ska punk or just punk so it's like that music was always something that was a huge part of me I was educated in it I knew who was who I knew the history and I knew the feel right away and I could switch from you know like a a rock steady tight pocket to a ska to something that swings more like ska to even more like a straight doo-wop motown type feel to then to a deep, deep, heavy, tight reggae pocket, slow tempo. So anyway, fast forward all these years, I'm doing all this other stuff and still doing dub and reggae projects like... Um, when I can, because Mm -hmm. I was starting, like you said, I was starting to get busy doing like more rock stuff or whatever, or putting time into developing these. And that, that band had a We have a, a strong influence from that, those styles as well. But I, I hung with Adrian Young, the drummer of no doubt. And he was like, Hey, come over, you know, like, can we do a lesson or something? And I was like, yeah, but it's not like a lesson, I'll just come over and hang with you, you know? Right. So we set up in his basement and I just started showing him all these reggae grooves. And he was like, Oh damn, that's how you play that, or that's how he played that. I always thought it was this and and he'd play it like his way. And I'd say, No, it's he does it this way, for sure it's this way. So as I left Adrian's house this just this light bulb just went ding and i was like holy shit i need to make a dvd of this like no there the dvd market is flooded with like jazz instructional double bass afro cuban clave this that this it's there's not one educational reference point for jamaican styles and there's so many drummers that don't that are just fucking clueless as to how it should feel or they all play the same Cliche ass beat or the same cliche fills that sounds like a beer commercial and it's like a <laughs> tropical rum commercial. It's like, no, there's so much more. So I called Adrian, like from the freeway. I was like, yo, dude, I just got this idea. I want to do an instructional DVD and I want to do it on the whole timeline of Jamaican's music, uh, Jamaica's music, ska, rock, steady, and reggae and beyond. And he was like, "Wow, that's a really cool idea. If you do it, let me know how I could help." So, Adrian is in the bonus footage. We do an interview, and he also uh, um, gave me a couple like exclusive drum cam clips from a No Doubt show, playing a couple reggae of, of their reggae tunes. So, and of course, that band's success wouldn't be what it was without the influence of reggae mm-hmm. and ska. So. That's basically what happened, and I just knew I wanted to produce it on my own, and I was writing, I was outlining Wicked Beats while I was on tour with Dillinger, sitting in the back lounge of the bus, playing this crazy-ass difficult music, and then at the end of the night, chilling in the bus, driving to the next city, and I'm outlining who I want to be in the DVD, who I want to get, what different bands, what songs, what this, what that, what patterns... And I dug in, dude. It took me two years to do that DVD. I funded it myself. I produced it. And then I knew I wanted Hudson to distribute it because they're the fucking legends in the industry. Right. And it was it was very flattering. Like, before I even had the DVD done, I just told some industry people about it, and they were like, we want it. And, and I just knew it was flattering to get other offers, but I just knew I wanted it to be distributed by Hudson.
0: Nice. nice. So
1: that's another thing where I, like... You focus on something and you have goals. And how many people do you hear say, oh, and I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And it's just it's nothing. It's just talk. Talk is cheap. Yep. Show results. Pull the shit off. Then you get respect. You know, I, I so it. it's like I'm out with Dillinger's escape plan and I'm outlining this epic fucking Jamaican music DVD. And it's like and at the same time, I'm lining up interviews with Santa and Lloyd Nib and Adrian and putting all these different bands together in different sessions and working around schedules—it was nuts. Then the editing took forever because there was so much footage. So I—we I, had like 20 hours of footage that I had to turn into a two-hour DVD. Wow. So you know, it's that's how that all came together, and nice. and it's just a part of me. So it—it it wasn't like oh, who's this like white dude trying to educate people on reggae that's not qualified fuck that like anybody (laughs) anybody in that world will tell you i'm qualified to do that so right right right. that's why that happened
0: i love it and i love the 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 uh the comment that talk is cheap you got to execute on it like i started this podcast i told everybody i was going to do it and that was (laughs) Three years and a hundred and thirty interviews later, you know what I mean, dude. Good for you, man. Like, I have
1: nothing, nothing but respect for that.
0: Well, I, I wasn't saying that to brag. It's just, but I didn't know, I didn't even know what I was doing in the beginning. Like you, I'm sure you, you know, when's you never made an instructional DVD before. You know what I mean. You there? Hello. Are you there?
1: Yeah. Can you hear me? I can now. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, that's all right. My, my friend, Ray Breisch, who co-produced uh, wicked beats with me was a huge help and he's been in the industry and he was with Warner brothers back when they did Marco Miniman's DVD and Horacio's. And so Ray was great. I remember it was, and that's another thing I met Ray at a PASIC in like 2005 and we were at this little hang with like all these industry professionals and I got introduced to Ray and we, we hit it off and I'm like, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I'm at Warner Brothers. And, and uh, th- this was before the media industry just took a nosedive and people were bootlegging and stopped supporting and buying DVDs and books. And it's a total bummer. But at the time I looked at Ray and I was like, dude, we're going to do a DVD together one day. That's what I said to him. Nice. And fast forward like f- four years later, I call Ray and I'm like, hey, dude. Remember I said we were going to do DVD together? Check out this idea. And I told him my idea, and he goes, that is great. He's like, nobody, nobody has done that. That's like uncharted territory, zero competition in that market. Do it. So it was just on, man. It was just full-on green light.
0: Nice. And I admittedly have not seen the DVD, but I'm going to get it do it. (laughs) I'm going to go to, as soon as we get off here, I'm going to go to Hudson digital and I'm going to download it.
1: Yeah. Well, they just had a labor day sale. Like everything was like 50
0: off, but (laughs) of course they did. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And then there's physical copies on my website. People can order if they want like a signed copy or guitar centers, just everyone has it. But it's what I did it for is it's not only for, to respect, to give just crazy credit and respect to these legends and to the styles of the music and, how underestimated and how um, you know little respect they get. There's so much of popular music wouldn't mm-hmm. even be what it is without the influence from reggae and the Jamaican styles. Like even the police, like listen to Sting's reggae bass lines. Those are, or even in his solo career, it's like so many of his bass lines are reggae based. And right. obviously the police was basically like a rock ska reggae band. Mm-hmm. So they... It's it's just cool to to see that people are like writing to me and oh thank you for putting that out it's great you give props to like the legends it's not about me it's about just me passing this information along I don't want it to die or or just just not get the credit that it deserves
0: right just so, documenting that exactly, that music but, and.
1: But also there's drummers that write to me that are like even weekend warriors that have day jobs and totally not full time musicians, but they play in cover bands and they'll be like, man, we, we have reggae tunes that get called out and I just don't know how to approach it and this and that. And there's so many patterns and there's an ebook in it. It's like people it's just a go to even Adrian keeps saying in interviews like half the new, new Last No Doubt record. You know, he was referencing beats to my DVD, which is super flattering. That's
0: awesome, man. It's some,
1: it's just, it's, it's done exactly what I put it out there for. And I hope it just continues to circulate.
0: Nice. I got to say, man, like I don't, I'm not well versed in that style of music, but I do love Hepcat. I used to sit on my boat and list. I would just put Hepcat on, Hepcat on Mm -hmm. and just like, just on repeat and just chill. Oh my gosh. Like, and nobody I always talk about it. I'm like, Hey man, uh, like, Oh yeah. Do you like Hepcat? And people are like, who? i never even yeah. heard of that. But, but, talk, but
1: then in that little scene, it's like, they'll go and sell out a house of blues somewhere. But right. it's like Hepcat is a perfect example of dudes that when they were just teenagers in high school, loving the original traditional Jamaican sound and not trying to dilute it, just keep it alive. And they would play the traditional standards, just like in jazz, their standards in reggae, there's standards, dude. Like there's mm-hmm. bass lines, and they're called rhythms, and there's just it's standard repertoire. So then they started writing their own original music, and but still all in that very very vintage traditional '60s era sound. So right.
0: they're LA it, guys, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: And then uh, I've you know worked with some of those guys over the years. I also did this big band tribute to the lights called Western Standard Time playing with like a 25-piece orchestra, big band-style arrangements, but it's all traditional ska rhythms. Nice. So it's like a Scottalites rhythm section meets like Henry Mancini. So there's that. And then I also played on the, the new Morgan Heritage record, which is, they're on tour right now with Stephen and Damien Marley, and they're one of the most respected reggae bands in the world, and they're called... Nice. So anyway, Morgan Heritage, I'm playing on one of the singles on their new record. So it's like I'm constantly... Behind the the more mainstream like rock stuff I'm doing, mm-hmm. I'm constantly doing a ton of other shit. Right at that same time.
0: Nice. It's funny you mentioned. I'm actually friends with uh, with Bob Marley's daughter. I went to high school with her. Wow. Yeah, and I remember just her we were something happened and she was talking about bob marley and she's like yeah that's my dad and everybody was kind of like yeah okay and that's then amazing. um her mom came in and did a it was like diversity week or something and did a presentation on bob marley and she was like my husband and this is you know makeda's his daughter and, and everybody's like oh your dad really is bob Marley." that's rad well that's
1: <laughs> yeah. that's royalty right yeah there.
0: pretty cool pretty cool um so not to change topics, but let's talk about the stuff that you have going on now. I mean, you were just on the cover of Modern Drummer, which is amazing in yeah. and of itself. Let's, what's that like?
1: Oh, man. Talk about a dream. But yeah. it's so weird because it's like as you grow and you, your perspective changes, you know, as your life and you mature and your career grows and um, it's like your perspective, as your priorities change, you just kind of don't, at least for me, I stopped thinking about like goals as far as like those, those, uh, accolades, like, Oh, the cover modern drummer or this or this, or that I, I honestly have been so busy working. I, I never, I, I just stopped thinking about all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it, when I got the phone call from Adam, who also did the interview over there, who, who I love, I love everyone there. And, it was really special to me because I've, I've been friends with adam for years and he's been watching my career grow and they've been super supportive of me and they've they've had their eye on you know watching me grow so to get that call and say yeah dude uh, we're gonna we're gonna do the cover feature on you it was just for the september issue it was just like total goosebumps you know and nice. it was surreal but at the same time i was like wow like i've worked to this and i believe i have shit to offer to the readers uh mm-hmm. you know like I, I want to talk about things that, and because my first feature in Modern Drummer was almost the cover when I was in Dillinger. And that was, I think that was even longer than my cover issue. It was like 15 pages. It was like <laughs> a huge, huge feature. And that was amazing. And
0: I remember, re, how long ago was that? Because I remember that article.
1: That was in 2008 with Steve Jordan on the cover with Levon Helm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know exactly what. Yep. Steve Jordan's on, on the cover and he's like – yeah, and he has like a black leather jacket on or –
1: It's it's both of them on the cover. It's Steve oh, Alvon.
0: Yeah, I know because Steve was on – because Steve was on maybe like three years – four years ago too. Nice.
1: Yeah, that was in 2008. So that was awesome. And then of course like being voted in the polls is like up and coming and mm-hmm. punk and this and that. That's killer. And so – and Wicked Beats getting the reward. That, that's just all amazing. I – I am very flattered. I don't take any of that for granted. And so, yeah, it's like just getting that covered, just really solidified to me, all, all this hard work and passion and it doesn't make me comfortable. It makes me want to work even harder.
0: Right. Right. I, I agree, man. And congratulations on all that. You, you deserve it. And I don't think that anybody out there is doubting that you deserve it. Um, so what let's, let's talk about absolutely man, you, you deserve it. Let's talk about what's happening now and what's going on in the future for you.
1: Cool. Well, right now, you know one of the main things that I'm doing is playing with Marilyn Manson, which is a total blast. A lot of people are like, dude, do you get bored? Like don't, don't you get bored? you're so much you're capable of doing so much more on the. It's like, dude, it's not about that. I'm playing with Marilyn Manson. Not enough is the shit, you know, it's like, (laughs) so anyway, that's cool. We're, we have a couple months off right now. So we go back out to end the year with some touring. We're going to do October, November. I don't know what's up with December yet. If we're going to do something, Um, but we're just going to do another quick U S run, then straight into Europe back, hopefully for Thanksgiving. Um, I also have Team Sleep, which is the group. It's like an all-star group. It's mm-hmm. Chino from Deftones, Todd, DJ Crook, Chuck. It's just like, just it's an amazing group of friends and um, ridiculously talented artists, you know. And we Team Sleep was a band that Chino and Todd and Crook and stuff. They they did an album on Warner brothers years ago while Deftones was, was just killing it, Mm -hmm. which they still are. And Zach Hill was the original drummer of team sleep. And then it just things they, they weren't really active for the past several years. And Chino and I had become really close over the years and it just kind of naturally hanging at a Deftones show, he introduced me to Chuck Doom, and me and Chuck started talking about jazz, Wayne Shorter, and Miles, and Mingus, and just all our favorite shit, and it so wasn't this Hollywood, like, oh yeah, let's connect, man, and we never do, it's like a week later, me, Chino, and Chuck were at Chuck's house playing, and nice. so anyway, this group is something I'm really excited about, we just released a live record in July, we did a, a performance up in Woodstock, New York, and it was in front of a live audience in a studio, all sitting in like little folding chairs, just inches away from the band.
0: That's awesome. And
1: what an what an experience that was. But what you're hearing on that live record, no overdubs, nothing. All the, the take, it was just live. So that was out, and it's been doing really well, and getting like the buzz out of the band again, which is sweet. And we already have a ton of studio um, studio material recorded so we're just waiting to ch- for Chino to finish up some vocals and then we'll release probably the first of what will be a bunch of EPs mm-hmm. just like back to back Right. and then eventually we will be playing live at some point because we all want to and the chemistry is ridiculous and we're definitely a live band just as much as a studio band and then I have my band Stolen Babies which is doing some really exciting stuff that I kind of can't really get into details because it's, it's kind of top secret for now, but we're dropping hints on our social media of little things. So that's going to be cool when it, when it happens. And then just staying busy with sessions. I, I have like three booked already right now for this, the next couple weeks, which is great. So just right. staying busy and getting to work with people like Tyler Bates, who's an amazing film composer and producer and, musician and uh, i'm playing on some scores he's got going on and some tv shows he's scoring and uh working with some other producers on like just pop records Mm -hmm. so that you know just staying busy it's like how i entered my modern drummer i don't want to tease it for people that haven't read that issue yet but it's just i i love knowing what i have going on but i also love not knowing like what's coming up tomorrow, you know, it's, it's, it's very cool that at any minute I can just get some email that's like career changing, you know, or, or just somebody that I've always wanted to work with or this opportunity. It's, it's very cool to just have those kind of land and not even expect it.
0: Sometimes you, you land the dream interview on drummers resource podcast. I mean, it's just (laughs) like shit happens like that, you know, you never know.
1: (laughs) Totally man. So (laughs) it's, that kind of stuff is cool because you can be in the driver's seat as much as you want, but ultimately we don't really control our, we, we don't know what's going to happen, you know? Right. So, what I do is I, I've invested a lot of time and energy into projects that I care about, mm-hmm. like Team Sleep and Stolen Babies and my session career and still wanting to do more educational stuff and release like another DVD at some point. And then also having a gig like Manson and then not, you know, not knowing what I'm going to get called for. So it's, it's just great for people to, instead of the listeners that are wondering, well, do I just sit around and wait for a call? No, be proactive, do as much as you can for yourself While you're waiting for that call. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. Try to make shit happen while you're still pursuing something or waiting for something. Don't not do anything and just wait. You know what I mean?
0: Sure, sure.
1: So that separates also to like the successful people to people waiting on luck.
0: Yeah. That luck train doesn't arrive usually.
1: You got to work for it and then luck
0: happens. I totally agree, man. I totally agree. So if people want to get in touch with you and learn more about you, what's the best way to do that?
1: Uh, Social media is cool. And my website, gillondrums.com or gillsharone.com. They go to the same place. There's a contact field. Um, I'll, you know, I teach when I can, I'm into it. I, there's kind of a queue of people waiting, but if you want to hit me up, you can find me on my website. I'm also, you know, Twitter, gil Sharon instagram gil Sharon facebook gil Sharon. it's just I'm, I'm all over so not too hard to to find
0: nice and if you're ever in new york man or if i'm out in la i'd love to love to buy a cup of coffee and chat yeah
1: dude hit me up i i wish you know we've been i've been in new york so off like five times this past year so i don't know if we'll get back before the end of the year but let's definitely connect
0: good deal good deal
1: and Thank you. I, I had a good time doing this.
0: Thank you very much, man. I know that I got a lot out of it. The listeners got a lot out of it. And like I said, I know that your your time is valuable, so I appreciate it, man. And uh, for everybody out there, check out all of the stuff that Gil has going on. Check him out on the cover of the September issue of Modern Drummer. And Gil, thanks again, man. Enjoy the rest of your day.
1: All right. Take care.
0: All right. Thanks, brother. Later. So there you have it, Gil Sharon, and for everything that we talked about and all the links to all things Gil, check out drummersresource.com forward slash session one, two, eight. Also, if you haven't already, if you're digging the podcast, please do me a favor and leave a rating or review on iTunes. It's super simple, and the more ratings and reviews that the podcast has, the more people see it, the more people hear it, and the more people get involved with this community that we have here, Drummers Resource i'm on facebook facebook.com forward slash drummers resource on instagram at drummers resource on twitter at drummers R source also i'm going to be doing more periscopes and i'm on periscope at drummers our source the same handle as the twitter uh as the twitter i sound like i'm 90. so uh yeah so check out check out periscope at drummers our source and i'll be doing some broadcasts from there weekly so Until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. I really, really do appreciate it. You know that. I love you. I mean it. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.